Chapter 23 Sticks and Stones and the Secret All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Psalm 22, 7 and 8 There's almost nothing that hurts the way being made fun of hurts. When we were kids, we learned the nursery rhyme, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Maybe your version was a little different than mine, but whether it was names or words that supposedly didn't hurt us, we all found out we were being lied to, right? Words hurt, and names hurt, and they hurt differently than sticks and stones. I can't really even remember many of the physical injuries I've had in my life. I remember losing a fight here and there, and I remember breaking a bone, but I don't remember the way those injuries hurt. I just remember the stories. On the other hand, I can remember every single time a particular childhood friend called me a wimp in front of other kids. I can still feel the way that hurt. I can remember embarrassing questions I asked that made people laugh at me. And all these years later, I still scold myself for opening my mouth. Being mocked and ridiculed hurts way more than sticks and stones do. I mean, cuts and bruises heal over time. Even the evidence of the injury disappears. But there are some pains we bear in our hearts, and they are much harder to get over. Sometimes leaving permanent scars. I bet you can still remember the kid in middle school that made you feel like a loser. I bet you can still remember moments you'd give anything to live over again. I bet you can still remember the sound of people who laughed at you and broke your heart. The reason these hurts cut so deep and the reason they hang around so long is that there is a question underneath the laughter we can't answer. The question haunts us. And the question is, what if they're right? When someone makes fun of you, the reason it messes you up so much is that it's calling into question the very thing you can't answer about yourself. Am I a loser? Am I an embarrassment? Do I have worth? The weird thing is that as you grow older, you realize the bewildering truth that the reason people mock and ridicule others is that they are medicating their own insecurity. No one is lonelier than a bully. Deep down, they don't know if they have any value, and the only shortcut they know to feeling better is to take someone else down with them. They climb a cruel ladder to supposed self-worth by stepping on others, and the worst part is that it doesn't even really work all that well. Like any other addict, the effect wears off too quickly, and they wind up going farther and deeper for an ever-diminishing return. In other words, they keep hurting more people, and it keeps giving them less. When you know and believe this about someone who is hurting you, It's easier to ignore their taunts and to actually feel pity for them. I think that's why Charles Dickens gave us the ghost of Christmas past, so that we could see that Scrooge wasn't always that bad and that he didn't necessarily want to end up the way he did. Nevertheless, when we are made fun of, it breaks our heart because to some degree we kind of believe it's true. We think to ourselves, why would they have all this ammunition to hurt me if it wasn't true? It's as if the very fact that we are mocked is an open and shut case proving we deserve to be mocked. 
But that's not the way the world works. After all, people made fun of Jesus. People laughed at Jesus when he suggested Jairus' daughter wasn't dead, but merely sleeping. His enemies dropped loaded comments about him being an illegitimate child when he was surrounded by crowds of people. They accused him of making a deal with the devil and working miracles using the power of demons, both behind his back and to his face. A Pharisee once invited Jesus to his house for dinner on a Sabbath simply to set him up. Everyone was watching and judging him as they brought out a man suffering terribly with edema. What would Jesus do? People talked about him constantly and the religious authorities baited him over and over again, willing him to trip up so they could take advantage of any slight misstep. When Jesus was arrested and put on trial before the high priest in the middle of the night, some temple guards blindfolded him, beat him, and then started messing with him. Who hit you? they asked. If you're a prophet, then prophesy. Which one of us is about to do this? Smack! They not only beat him, they spat on him. The ultimate disrespect. The gospel narratives don't include the laughter following those kicks and punches, but you know it was loud and raucous. All night long he endured a constant barrage of abuse. Pilate's soldiers mocked him as they tortured him, and the crowd made fun of him as he hung naked, dying on a cross the next morning. Even the other two men being crucified that day ridiculed Jesus. If you're a savior, then save yourself. And while you're at it, get me out of this mess too, huh? King David said this would happen to the Messiah. A thousand years before Jesus was born, David wrote a prophetic song about the sufferings of the promised one. And in the song, he said, But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people, all who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. And then that's exactly what happened. When Jesus came, all those years later, the people who should have worshipped and adored him made fun of him. In fact, when Jesus was on the cross... They said exactly the words David predicted they would say, as if they were reading the lines off a script. Yet, incredibly, Jesus didn't respond. He never fought back or really ever defended himself. When he was in the throes of his passion, he never opened his mouth once when people so brutally mocked and ridiculed him. I mean, I would have railed and screamed. I would have cried desperately. I would have coldly looked for some angle, some chink in their armor to capitalize on. And then I would have mocked them back with ruthless malice. Jesus never did. He told his disciples it would happen. And then it happened. Simple as that. How did he do that? How was Jesus able to rise above it all? How could he endure such hatred and unfairness without losing his cool, even for a second? The answer is, Jesus had a wonderful secret. Now, I'm not saying this next part happened, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit to find out that Jesus managed to smile during some of those waves of verbal assault. I know that sounds weird, but the reason I say it 
because Jesus knew something no one else did. Remember what Jesus said to Peter right before his arrest? Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? You see, Jesus knew that all around them was an unseen spiritual reality. And no matter what any of those people said, Jesus was and is the undisputed king of heaven. He had a place and importance that no one could shake. His father loved him. And very soon, everyone would see the truth. That was Jesus' secret. Those angels split the night sky on the first Christmas, declaring the worth of the Son of God. And Jesus believed in them every second of his life. Did you know the same secret holds true for you? What if you dared to believe it? What if you dared to believe that there is an unseen reality that eclipses this whole physical world and that you are already seated in heavenly places, that you are precious to your almighty Father, that you are eternally loved, protected, and secure? You, right now, are surrounded by angelic guards, and you are one day going home. When you do, no unkind word will ever hurt you again, forever and ever. No ridicule can ever really stick. You are a glorious child of the living God. That's your secret. Let's believe it and rise above all these lesser realities. (laughs) 